0: if you have stagnant lymph, there's no way you can be healthy.
1: Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You are about to hear from Dr. Sharon Stills. Today, we're going to dive into European biological medicine, Talk about the use of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, mindfulness, and even how important lymphatic health is. We're really going to dive into lymph today, so let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Sharon Stills, who is a naturopathic medical doctor who helps perimenopausal and menopausal women to pause and evaluate life so they can live the second act of their story stronger, healthier, and sexier while aging backwards. Using her twenty plus years of experience and extensive training and background in European biological medicine, anti-aging therapies, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, she has successfully helped thousands of women transition gently through the different stages of their lives with all natural methods. Dr. Stills passion about spreading the word about her signature Red Hot Sexy Menopause program, the philosophy she developed for you to reinvent your health, explore your spirit, and discover your sexy so that you too can create and live the life you desire and deserve. She founded and ran one of the largest and most successful naturopathic clinics in the country for a decade and is the host of the Science of Self-Healing podcast. She's an expert physician for Women's Health Network, and she educates other physicians as the co-led North American lecturer for the Paracelsus Academy in Switzerland. Patients work with Dr. Stills in a variety of ways, through telemedicine consults and her life-changing retreats for individuals or small groups in healing and rejuvenating locations around the world. Some patients will even fly in to see her or fly in just to get the chance to work with her one-on-one. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stills. Thank you. Thank you for the nice introduction. I want to hear more about this European biological medicine. But before we dive into that, tell me your story. So how did you get started in your healing journey and then help heal others? Oh, gosh. Well, I think a lot of us have that wounded healer
0: story. So we we had our own health issues and that's how we became a physician ourselves. And I'm no different. So growing up, I was so sick. I had severe allergies. I had severe asthma. So much so that the pediatrician wanted to name one of his exam rooms after me. Wow! Like, it's a nice honor to have a room named after you, but not for, because you're always in it sick. sick. And so I was in and out of hospitals and just felt horrible. That was in my younger years. Then in my teen years, I was had so many hormonal issues. I was depressed. I was overweight. Then I got into being addicted because I wasn't mm-hmm. happy my life. So I went through being addicted to everything from A to Z. And then by the time I was 20, I was married and pregnant with my first son. And that was a wake up call for me. I don't want, you know how it is as mothers, we, we want the best for our children better than we have. And so I thought, I don't want my son to suffer. Yeah. I was sick. I don't want him to inherit these things that I dealt with. I started delving into what are other options. And I happened to live next door to someone whose brother was a colon hydrotherapist of all things. So my first introduction into natural medicine was having a tube stuck up your butt to clean out your poop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got started. And from Not there- Not many people started... can say that. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, I got in really into nutrition. And I remember, so we're talking about 1989. This is before the internet. I remember sitting on the floor of Wegmans. That was the natural health food store. I don't even think Whole Foods was around back then. And I was just sitting on the floor. There was three little shelves of natural kind of foods. And I was just looking through, what can I give my son that will make him be healthy? Cause I don't want him to suffer like I did. And then what happened was I ended up having another son and getting divorced. And then I needed to support my two children. And I thought, well, I can go back to being an administrative assistant because that's what I had been doing before I had my kids. Or I thought I can live my passion because work is something we spend so many hours at. And you talk about, I know your podcast is all about longevity. And one of the things I'm always dealing with patients is what do you do? Are you happy? Cause we spend more hours at work probably than anywhere else. So back then I just decided I want to be happy. I want to live my passion. I was devouring any book I could get my hands on at the time. And I thought, I had struggled to figure out what I could do for my son. Because when I took him to the pediatrician, it was just, he needs antibiotics. Because my son at the time was having eczema and he was having ear infections. And it wasn't until my next door neighbor told me, you got to get him off of dairy and all of these other things. So I thought I had struggled to figure it out for my son. I thought, why don't I go to school? And so I can become a pediatrician and help other parents so they don't have to struggle like I did. And then I heard about this thing called natural. I was living in Buffalo, New York at the time, and there was a doctor across the border in Canada because that's where it was licensed. And I remember packing up the kids and going across the border and going to see him. And I just remember standing in his parking lot when I walked out and said, I'm going to do what he does because he's really mm. cool. <laughs> and that was, and I, so I just really used the power of intention because I was 24. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I was divorced. My ex-husband was not going to be contributing in any way. And I didn't really realize at the time that to do what he did, I still had to go get an undergraduate degree. <laughs> so it was a 10-year journey of schooling and commitment and I just kept affirming it I'm going to be a naturopathic physician
1: and I did it that's wonderful and so, that's, that's awesome. how I got started that's awesome so where does European biological medicine come in then when did you start transitioning and learning that I, we talked about functional medicine and anti-aging medicine on the podcast and maybe this is similar or maybe it's different so can you speak to that I was in, so I went
0: to Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, which is in Arizona. It's one of the accredited naturopathic medical schools. There's not that many of them. When I was there, there was these opportunities to be student reps for companies, and so you could learn their product line and help educate the students. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. I want to do that. And Thorne, which you've probably yeah, heard of, yeah, popular, yeah. they had a student rep position and I was like, I'm going to be the Thorn student rep. I was so sure of it. I went for my interview. I figured I nailed it. And then I found out my classmate got the job and not me. And my ego was like, ah, how could that be? How could she have gotten it? So I took a few deep breaths and calmed down and just went along my way. And then very soon after, I got offered another student rep, which was to work with Pleomorphic Products. That was the name of the company at the time. They distributed the Sonom remedies. And these Sodom remedies were these remedies that these doctors who had really great results around town were using. And I thought, I want to know what they're doing. So yeah, the, I don't know what that is. You'll have to tell us what then. the moral of that story is trust in the universe, because what's yours will come to you and what's yours will not be offered to you. So I was very fortunate that I didn't get the thorn job. I got this job and I started Working with the clinics in Switzerland at the time Dr. Rao was leading the Paracelsus Clinic. And while I was in medical school, I started lecturing around the country to physicians, to DOs, to other naturopaths about the pleomorphic products and the Sonom remedies. And so the Sonom remedies are a group of remedies. They're isopathic remedies. So they are similar to homeopathics in the way okay. they're paired, but they actually have physical constituents in them. So instead of a 200X being stronger than a 30X, it's the opposite. The higher the X actually, the stronger the product is because it does have constituents. And I could talk for hours on this, so I'll just briefly say it it's based upon the theory of pleomorphism and terrain theory rather than germ theory. And so we know that's pretty hot topic now. Can you catch something? And then there are the schools of thought, which I subscribe to, of that we don't catch anything. We build a healthy, happy, inherent body, and the terrain takes care of things. And so a good example of that, so from pleomorphism, is that strep lives in our throats and it is a natural symbiotic organism in our bodies but when we are stressed when our ph is off when our lymph is congested when we have focal blockades when there are issues going on in our terrain then the strep goes through a pleomorphic process where it upgrades and becomes pathogenic rather than than symbiotic and so these remedies help bring these bacterial forms these fungal forms these viral forms back into a symbiotic relationship with the body and so I got really involved in that and that's how I got into European biological medicine and so I am a naturopath trained and of course I've studied functional medicine forever as well and so I integrate all of that along with traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and everything else I've studied along the way, but European bioregulatory medicine is something that's on the foundation and really is why I can have such great results, why I work with very sick people, cancer patients, autoimmune people who don't know what's wrong with them, because it really looks deeper. So functional medicine is looking at the microbiome, at the gut, it's looking at heavy metals, getting them out and so forth. European bioregulatory medicine is looking at the extracellular matrix. It's looking at the lymphatic system. It's looking at bioenergetics. It's looking at the constitution of a patient. So, We all have different constitutions and how we express illness is related to our constitution. And so it takes into account that, are you a good detoxifier? Are you not a good detoxifier? So it's just, I feel like it's like the base, the foundation level from there, which we can grow. It really looks at blockages. So a big part of European bioregulatory medicine is the teeth. And so dental health, and so I'm always kicking patients out of my office, sending them off to go to the dentist, because until they clear the blocks in their mouth, doesn't matter what I do, they're not really going to get better, I'm looking at their scars, which can really affect their autonomic nervous system so I'm obviously looking to make sure I'm looking through heart rate variability making sure that they're in the parasympathetic mode which I'm sure you know most people do not start off that way and it takes a lot of work to get them there living in the environment that we live in these days in our in our universe
1: I have about 10 more questions I want to ask based on what you just said but so did you when did you get to travel to Switzerland
0: I've been back and forth to Switzerland many times to Germany many times And that's where I learned a lot of this medicine. And so in Switzerland, for instance, the medical clinic has a dental clinic. They work hand in hand. And we don't really have that here. I have dentists that I work with hand in hand, but right there it's under the same roof. So when they're doing grand rounds and looking at the patients, the dentistry is right there first and foremost. And then of course, in Switzerland, They're able to do things like hyperthermia and anuspheresis and live cell therapies. They're allowed to do a lot of things that the FDA doesn't like us doing here because they actually work. (laughs) So, So I work a lot, whether sending patients there or bringing patients there and learning what's going on there so that I can do as much of it here in the States that I can, that's legal, that's allowed, and then sending, if you have to send a patient over because they need... Which it it always blows my mind that hyperthermia is illegal or whatever you want to call it, which, you know, it's just hyperthermia is just heating up the body to increase white blood cell production. And it seems like it should be pretty okay, but it's not, unfortunately.
1: I looked at the Paracelsus Academy's website, but I didn't catch what city is that in, in Switzerland? It's in
0: Lustmule. I don't even know where that is. The nearest, so when you go, you fly into Zurich. Sure. And then take the train to St. Gallen, which is like usually where we stay. It's the biggest city, the biggest little city nearby. But Luchmiel is where the clinic is. And the clinic actually has just undergone a lot of changes. So I'm actually have branched out and worked with some other clinics there as well. Uh, Dr. Thomas Rao, who you may have heard of, he Mm. was at Paracelsus Clinic for probably over 20 years. Uh, and he just recently left and there's new ownership. So it's, it's a little topsy-turvy right sure, now. <laughs> sure, sure, sure,
1: I was gonna talk about menopause, which we're gonna go back to that, but let's stay on the topic of the importance of dental health for a moment here. You talked about blockages in the mouth. So what do you mean by that?
0: First and foremost would be amalgam fillings. So anyone who's listening, if you open your mouth and you see silver in there or metals in there, those need to come out and of course i'm not telling i'm not prescribing what you should do but it is advised that you find a good biological dentist because one of the things i'll just say this so for anyone listening if you're like oh my gosh i have amalgam fillings i have metals i'm just going to go to the dentist and get rid of them that is not a good idea because if you go to someone who doesn't know what they're doing it's worse than eating them in your mouth and so i always When I take a new patient and I'm doing their intake, it's always like, how would you get them removed if they say they had them removed? And if they're like, oh, my dentist did it, you know, he just thought he would do it for me and he didn't really protect me or prepare me or drain me or anything. I just cry a little inside (laughs) and I just go, okay, we're going to have to do a little work because then I know they're just going to be laden with metals in their tissues and their fat cells and so forth. So it's really important to be prepared to make sure you're draining your amunctaries, your eliminatory organs are open and you're draining before you undertake that. And when you do it, that you go to a dentist who prepares you properly, protects you. It's great to have vitamin C drips running and then afterwards to be properly draining as well. And then you can go and do heavy metal, like a provoked heavy metal test to see what's left in your body. So I never do heavy metal testing on someone if they have a mouth full of metals. You wanna wait until the metal's are out. And then of course, root canals are another biggie that can really mess up regulation. So each tooth is related to uh, acupuncture meridian. So for example, your front two teeth are the kidney and bladder meridian. Upper molars are the stomach meridian and the breast lies on the stomach meridian because the stomach meridian goes right through the breasts. So those are very common that there will be a root canal in those teeth and a woman will have breast cancer. So often if you go to Switzerland, you have breast cancer. If you have a root canal, those are coming out. And they did a study where they really looked and saw, I think it was like 100 patients who had breast cancer. 97 of them had a root canal in that tooth. So there's really a correlation between doing something to that tooth And having it affect the organ, and it can go the other way too, where there's something happening in the organ and it can come up and affect the tooth as well. So it's a reciprocal relationship there. Anytime we start talking dentist and teeth, it's it's a very touchy such situation. Not many people want to go to the dentist, want to have teeth removed. And when you're in Europe, it's pretty hardcore. Here in the States, there's a little bit of a discussion, but the way I was trained is if there's a root canal, the tooth Comes out. So I think it's so I do thermography scans and it looks at all the teeth, the regulation of the teeth. So I can see this tooth is not regulating. So if I see someone has a tooth that's not regulating and there's a root canal there, then I'm like, yes, that tooth needs to come out. If they have a root canal and the tooth is regulating and their health is good, Optimally, you'd still want to get rid of it. But again, if it's in a place for their bite or their smile, sometimes we can just do ozone injections and things to keep the regulation open. So it's really an individual situation, but the health of the mouth is so overlooked. I used to think like that too, because we've just kind of been trained. You go to the dentist once a year to get your teeth cleaned. And if you have any fillings, they fill them. And we never really stop to think the mouth is actually connected to the rest of the body. It's the beginning of our digestive tract. And it really does interact with our organs and our health. And so making sure you have proper gum health, making sure if you have metals in your mouth, which I don't recommend, but if you have metals in your mouth, there can be galvanic currents of the metals interacting with each other. So it's important to go to a dentist who measures the galvanicity of what's going on in your mouth as well. And then how you're being filled. So white fillings are very popular if you're not going to get metals, but you have to think of the white fillings are plastic and is there BPA in them? So going with something more of like a ceramic filling is a lot safer. Also implants.
1: (laughs) Keep (laughs) going, keep going, keep
0: going. (laughs) So implants also. So the big thing is to get titanium implants. So you pull a tooth and then you put an implant. However, titanium is just as toxic as mercury. So the the biological way now to do it is to use a zirconium implant. So all of these things are just really important to know and kind of have a handle on, because if you go and do implants, that's like a huge undertaking financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, and then to have someone say, all right, well, now you put toxic implants and I got to redo everything that is super stressful and that does not contribute to healing. So it's just good to know about these things. If you find yourself in a position that you could go, wait a second what that doctor say? I better find a holistic dentist, a biological dentist who really knows what they're doing.
1: I've had patients report all sort of crazy symptoms resolve when their root canals are removed, like overnight. It's nuts. It, it is. it's Sometimes you just wonder like, holy cow. <laughs> and this episode will launch after an interview that I did with a biologic dentist who does talk about root canal removal and safe removal of mercury fillings. So well, we have him as a resource as well, especially if you're local. Especially if you're local. I like that you mentioned that. After you mentioned blockages, you mentioned scars. Were you talking about scars in the mouth or just scars in the body in general that you're assessing well, for?
0: Scars all over the body. So I mean the original scar is the umbilicus, but scars in the tonsils from removal, scars from an appendix removal, scars from an accident, scars, a big one is C-section scars on the breasts if there's been reconstruction or, or biopsy reduction. or yeah so lots of scars and so scars that's from the neural therapy school of thought which is also a European bioregulatory way of thinking and so the scars just like we're talking about root canals the scars also create blockages in the autonomic nervous system in the organs in the meridians and so plus scars can hold a lot of emotions because especially like C-sections. Now some women do plan a C-section, but often C-sections happen because they're an an emergency C-section. And a lot of trauma goes along with that. And a lot of We women, which I'm on a mission to change, but women like to beat themselves up and need to be perfect. And so when a woman plans a natural pregnancy and has to have a C-section, a lot of energy and emotions go into that scar. So injecting the scar with procaine And you can use other remedies to open up the scar, helps to release the scar, It resets the nervous system. And a lot of times patients will cry, they'll release the trauma, which is really important. We want to do everything we can to be releasing our trauma. And so clearing the mouth, clearing the scars, those are some foundational things to look at before working with any patient because it's just going to, going to level the playing field so not to say microbiome isn't important and all of those things of course they're important but these are just kind of the way I look at the body of foundational things I want to clear as much as I can so the body's able to regulate better
1: I love it, I love it. Okay, let's go on to drainage. So you've mentioned even before having a root canal or or basically before even having your mouth worked on, you want to make sure your body is draining well. So when you say draining well, do you mean that the lymph is moving, that nothing's stagnant, that you're having regular bowels, or can you speak more to that? And let's if you're talking about lymphatics, can you talk about the importance of the lymphatic system? Yes.
0: (laughs) So yes, so I call them the amunctories, which is an old nature cure term, which is your eliminatory organs. So just what you said, yes, make sure your bowels are moving. If you're a woman, make sure that your flow is flowing, your monthly cycle, because I think of that as an elimination, as drainage through the uterus, kidneys, your lymphatic system, your liver, your lungs, your skin. So those are the main ones we look at. And so you want to make sure a lot of times when patients have what's called a Herxheimer reaction where they're detoxing and then they get sick. That's because they weren't properly draining at first. And so when they started to detox, the toxins that started to be mobilized had nowhere to go. And so they just recirculated and made them sicker. And so it's really important that we think in a process way of, okay, we wanna open everything up. Are the lungs working? Does this patient know how to breathe? Because most of us don't know how to breathe and forget about breathing as one of the greatest tools we have for healing. Is the lymphatic moving? The lymph is this lost system that no one really pays attention to. In general medicine, you can go to a cardiologist, you can go to a pulmonologist, a urologist, but you can't go to a lymphologist. And the lymph is so important for circulating, for bringing in good nutrients, for getting rid of the toxins. If you have stagnant lymph, there's no way you can be healthy. And the lymph, unlike our blood and our circulatory system, doesn't move automatically. So you and I are sitting at our desk talking to each other over Zoom, and our heart is still pumping our blood. But our lymph not doing anything now unless we get up and start moving. And so it's really important that we pay attention to actually moving our lymph that we make it a daily practice.
1: You may likely have heard me talk about one of my favorite products in several episodes called Adrenal Calm. It contains a unique blend of botanicals and nutrients that support the stress response, particularly promoting cortisol balance. Specifically, Adrenal Calm includes a blend of adaptogenic botanicals and nutrients formulated to counteract the effects of daily stress and support healthy energy levels. It also contains phosphatidylserine and L-theanine, both of which reduce that half-life of cortisol or, in other words, calm adrenaline. I love using this in the afternoon if I've had a stressful workday or before public speaking. It can also be taken on a daily basis as many of us have more daily stress now than ever before. If you're interested in learning more about adaptogenic herbs, read Chapter 6 of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And check out our product guide info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash adrenal hyphen calm. To get 10% off adrenal calm or L-theanine, use code calm at com. Now let's get back to the show. Love it, love it, love it. So how does someone know if they have stagnant lymph? Like other than having constipation or a Herxheimer reaction, like how do you know if their lungs are open, if they're breathing well, or if they're like, I'm thinking more like fluid retention if the patient's puffy?
0: Definitely puffy, cellulite, if you're constantly sick if you're bloated, if you're fatigued, if you have weight gain. I will tell you, so I mentioned the thermography before. Many people listening may have heard of a thermography machine as a picture and something you do if in lieu of a mammography. So the thermography machine I use is not just a camera because those infrared cameras, they were really calibrated for the army and they were calibrated to be able to look at tunnels and bridges they weren't really calibrated to look at what's going on in the human body and so there's some benefit to them but I don't really trust them and so the one I use is from Germany and it's computerized regulation thermography and what it does is uses a handheld infrared sensor that t- takes point readings over 130 points all over the body so I mentioned before that it takes the points so does all the teeth. It does the sinuses and it does your lymph. So it's the only tool that I know of that actually is a diagnostic tool for the lymphatic system. Can't really run blood work on the lymphatic system. You can't really run urine or saliva. There's really no tests to do for the lymphatic system except for this thermography. So I've been working with this thermography for 20 years since I've been in practice, I learned about it in Switzerland when I would go over to the clinic. And I can tell you that every single patient has messed up lymph. Like I never saw a patient where I was like, oh my goodness, your lymph looks amazing. And so it just really got me thinking that everyone needs their lymphatic system addressed because think of how we are as a population where they say sitting is the new smoking. So many people are sedentary. They don't move. They don't sweat. And what I also found was that, so if you have heard about the lymphatic system, you've probably heard you should dry skin brush and you should bounce up and down on a little trampoline. So what I found was those don't make changes in the lymphatic readings, nor does just taking some lymphatic herbs. You really have to be getting in there moving it with a light beam generator, the lymph star with color. I do color puncture, color to different points will move the lymphatics. You have to be sweating and doing the drainage remedies and taking the herbs and doing the dry skin brushing. But I found that it wasn't enough to just do those simple things, that our lymph is really stuck. And so it's a crucial part in getting everything open so things can flow through the extracellular matrix and can get to the cells. We're always so concerned with taking the right supplement, but if we don't clear the highway to get to the cells, the supplements start to bog down the body. They start to become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And I'm a huge fan of supplements. I mean, I'm not by my supplement cabinet, but if I showed it to you, you'd be like, oh yeah, she takes a lot of supplements. So I'm not saying anything wrong about supplements. Again, it's thinking in a systematic way and opening everything up. So when you do go in and give, you get the best bang for your buck and you get a good reaction from the body.
1: So what can viewers do at home to get their lymph moving?
0: Oh my gosh, there is a lot of things they can do. So first of all, foundational, make sure you're hydrated. My optimal is three liters a day. What's usually out there is minimum half your weight in ounces. So if you weigh 200, 100, which then you'd be getting your three liters, especially if you're working out and sweating. And sweating is one of the really important things. And so I am a hot yoga junkie. I love hot yoga because you get to exercise, you get to meditate and you get to sweat. So it's like you kill three birds with one stone. It's a great, great investment of your time. People either love hot yoga or they hate hot yoga. So most of the studios have a 30 day, $30. I recommend trying it. Of course, get your physician's approval. And if you hate the first class, go back for another one. Sometimes it takes a few. And then if you still really hate it, well, then you still really hate it and you don't have to go. But if you love it, now you've got a great therapy that's just going to help your lymph moving because you're stretching and you're sweating. You can sit in an infrared sauna, which I love as well, but there's no sweat like a hot yoga sweat. It just, nothing compares. But infrared saunas are great. Compression therapies are great. If there's someone in your neighborhood who does lymphatic massage, does color puncture. So that's what I'm trained in from Germany, but there are color puncturists scattered across the States, across the globe and using yellow is a really good color. We use crystal like a point in a handheld to move the lymphatic system. There's the light beam generator. There's the lymph star. We had the photon genie in my clinic that we use holding up these rods to move the lymphatic system, neural therapy, So for instance, I was talking about the thermography. So if I see that the tonsils are blocked and the tonsils are this gateway to the lymph lymph, and we have also the lymphatic system in our brain. So making sure you're sleeping so the brain can drain, but I'll go in and inject with procaine and some homeopathic remedies into the tonsils to open up that area and of course, then, yes, you can still dry skin brush. You can still move, just even walking. We want to be walking frequently or stand up desks so you're going up and down and not just sitting all day long. Lymph drainage remedies, so the complex homeopathics that help drain also, there are creams, phytolacca and an herb. I'll use that topically on breasts. Oh, and I love castor oil packs. So they also just help drain and you can put castor oil packs. So often after I do a thermography, nine out of 10 women are getting some kind of castor oil pack in their life, whether it be on their liver or on their breasts or to their neck, to their lymph. So those are just some things that you can do at home or that you can go explore.
1: Awesome. Thank you. I love that. We have not talked about, not very much about lymphatic drainage, so that was good. Let's go back to... Menopause. Your bio speaks about helping women pause so they can live their second best half, right, in their life. So when you say pause, that makes me think like meditation, deep breathing. Is that what you mean by pause? Is meditation something you incorporate with your practice? I've heard you say mindfulness is the best medicine. So I'll let you respond to that. <laughs> so, yes, I am
0: trained to teach mindfulness meditation. And I do. That was another thing I was very fortunate to find in my early days in medical school. So I always say I grew up as a bioregulatory physician as mindfulness, meditation being the best medicine there is and just got incorporated into the way I think as a physician. And so I definitely am a huge fan of breathwork, of mindfulness. When I say pause, as far as menopause, to me, the first and foremost thing is about the actual art and act of pausing we say menopause and we're talking about the cessation of our menstrual period. But to me, it's this beautiful opportunity to pause in our lives and to really look at where have we been, where are we currently and where do we want to go? Because if we don't do that for ourselves, not even our best friend is going to do that. They're busy, you know, starring in their own story. And so, and we, We don't have that incorporated into our culture to review our life, to think about our life. And that's why, sadly, I think so many people die and they have regrets and they are unfulfilled and they didn't live the life they really dreamed of living. And so that breaks my heart. I feel like for women, when they get to menopause, it's this, to me, it's the beginning of the sacred second act. And I think there's actually an act after that. So I'm all about longevity, but it's this second act of where if you had children, probably they're close to flying the coop and leaving. The nest is going to become empty. Maybe you're still working, but maybe you're thinking of winding down or retiring. And it's just this opportunity to look at who have I been taking care of? Have I been taking care of myself? Because most of the time, it's you've been taking care of everyone else and not yourself. And so, when I work with women, we really look at that. And what what are your dreams? What did you dream of? What do you want to do? What what lights you up? Because so often we just get stuck in the the rat race, the the the, the habit trail wheel, where we wake up, we run around, we do the errands, we go to work. We, if we're lucky, we grab a workout or we catch a yoga class, but we never really stop to think about what our dreams are. What did you dream of as a child? So for me, when I went through menopause, I climbed Kilimanjaro and I stood on top of Kilimanjaro and the universe worked out perfectly that it was literally one year after I had stopped my cycle. (laughs) And that was the perfect menopause. (laughs) That was because the airlines actually lost our luggage. And so our climb started a couple of days late. And that's like my thing. When my youngest son went off to college and I had an empty nest, we went and climbed, did the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. Because hiking is a big love of mine. And when my kids were young, I was a single mom, raising them on my own. And so it was hard to travel. And one of my things that lights me up is traveling and nature. And so I like to celebrate and mark these big occasions. We're so big to mark. We mark death. We mark marriage. We mark births. But I'm about marking menopause and finesse divorce, all the, all these other things, all these big turning points in our life. And so that's what I did to celebrate menopause. And it was for me to say, this is just the beginning. You're not getting older. I mean, I am getting older, but this doesn't mean you're winding down and can't do things because I run retreats. We call them women of wisdom, wow retreats. And we do salon style circles with the talking sticks and share our feelings. And I've heard things that women really believed until they came to a retreat that menopause is the end, means you're going to die soon, means you can't have sex, means you're old, mean all these fallacies. And so I wanted to just stand on top of that mountain and say, this is just the beginning for me. My body is healthier now than it ever was because you hear a lot oh yeah, I went through menopause and it's just not the same. And well, I'm getting older,
1: so that's what's to be expected. And I'm here to say that's the (laughs) yes. You're celebrating menopause. I love that. I I love that. Our bodies are naturally designed to handle stress, detoxify chemicals, and preserve cell function. But when the burden increases, those naturally built-in systems can't keep up with demand and we start to experience physiological changes in our bodies. What causes that burden to increase? Unfortunately, a whole list of things, including common modern lifestyle habits like poor dietary choices, lack of sleep, abundance of stress, exposure to chemicals, and exercise extremes, just to name a few. To protect ourselves from this oxidative stress, our bodies are forced to use up stores of the master antioxidant glutathione. And this works for a while. But when those stores become used up, however, our body doesn't have enough antioxidant capacity to protect itself, allowing the stress to our body's systems to cause lasting damage. That's why I recommend many of my patients take glutathione daily to help protect their natural reserves, support full detoxification capacity, and help keep their immune systems functioning at full strength. Use code GLUTATHION for 10% off at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, back to the show. Part of, at least how I treat patients who are in menopause, is with bioidentical hormones. Is that part of European, am I saying this right, biologic medicine? Is that something that you also use with your patients? It
0: is, and and we call it bioregulatory medicine. So yes, they do use some hormones over there, but I think we have a much better handle on it that over here. So I really integrate the best of everything. So I'm a huge bioidentical hormone proponent. And I would say that what I did learn over there a long time ago, which now is more common knowledge, but for instance, testosterone doesn't cause prostate cancer. We actually use testosterone to treat prostate cancer. Estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer. We actually use certain forms of estrogen to treat breast cancer. And so bits and pieces, but a lot of my knowledge and training of bioidentical, I think we have better testing over here when it comes to that. I, I credit a lot. I've learned a lot from Jonathan
1: Wright, who I think is... Yes, I <laughs> I did the A4M fellowship. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. So I mean... F- a funny, smart guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's the grandfather. of. I, he wrote the first script for Bias. So I, I tend to find who, who's at the top and knows what they're doing. And then I, you know, learn from them. Everything. Yes. So, so it is part of it, but more that how I integrated it in with looking at all the other things, because I just won't give someone hormones unless we've really looked at their terrain and made sure the lymph is flowing and everything is clear, because I don't feel like it's going to benefit them as much. And I really want women and men to take control of their health and their body. And it's sort of easy to just take some hormones and feel fantastic. But if you just do that and you don't do the other things, ill health is going to catch up with you. So I'm I'm kind of I'm very strict about who I let refill their hormones and I make sure what they're doing and they've done everything. So sometimes we're like, nope, you're not allowed to have your hormones because you got to do it, Y, and Z first. <laughs> and you know, because you use them in your practice, how great they feel. I always tease, I was just lecturing a couple of weeks ago about this and I was talking about progesterone and I had a picture on the PowerPoint of a bouquet of flowers. And I'm like, you might be thinking, why is there flowers with progesterone? I'm like, that's because if I want to fulfill my flower addiction and get patients' husbands to send me flowers, I give the patient progesterone. The husband's so happy that his wife is back and then I get flowers. It's like a really big
1: deal. Hormones are life-changing, but I love that you say, and maybe I should be doing this too, <laughs> withholding the hormones until patients are compliant with other aspects of lifestyle. So I I love that. I want to go back to thermography for a minute there because, because you're also being wise in that you're potentially screening patients for any existing cancer also before you would give them hormones. So have you found with your thermography machine, like do you detect cancers? Do you detect, do you find those sort of things? Absolutely. So for women, the
0: thermography machine is a specific screening for breast cancer. And for men, it's a screen for prostate cancer. And so we have 13 different criteria that we look at from the teeth we were talking about, those stomach marine molars, to the liver, to the sternum, which is the breastbone. So the sternum is a big regulatory component for whether someone has an issue with their breasts. There's about four of those markers are lymphatic markers. So it's always lymph, lymph, lymph is always one of the first things. And we know a lot of breast cancers start in that upper outer quadrant. And so that's where all that lymph is. It's also looking at, there's different patterns that have just been seen over and over again in the tomography scans. So we're looking at the opposite ovary, we're looking at the liver health. And I didn't mention before, but another important amongtery is the gallbladder because of the bile production. And so we always think about the liver phase one, and phase two, but I think of the gallbladder phase three. And so that's another important one. So yes, I do use it as a screen for breast cancer. You can see the temperature differences. So anything more than like a half a degree change, if one breast is hotter than the other, I'm concerned and we're starting to do things and then rechecking. So I, there's no double-blind placebo studies as in a lot of the medicine we both do. But I know that I have saved so many women because I can see in their thermography, their lymphatics and the two teeth and the liver and all of these things, and we can reverse that through therapies and then recheck. So it's it's a really, and breast cancer is one of my specialties. I So when I told you in the beginning of the story, I went to school to become a pediatrician and I did, I went through all my clinical rotations were around pediatrics and psychiatrics because I had a brother who had committed suicide and so I mm. wanted to learn that as well. And then I opened up my clinic and the seventh patient in my door was an elderly gentleman in his late 60s who had pancreatic cancer and was told he was going to die. And he was driving by and saw my sign and said, what can you do for me? And I was like, I had never seen a cancer patient in all of medical school. (laughs) So I was like, oh my goodness. But then I remembered that saying, I always say that the universe will only send you what you can handle. And so I was honest with him. I said, I've never treated a cancer patient, no less end stage pancreatic cancer patient. Said, but I have a philosophy of how the body works and heals and I can apply that to you and we can see what happens. And he did it and he ended up being cured. And it was like this huge lesson for me. Don't be bogged down in diagnosis. Remember how the body works. It doesn't really matter what. And of course I did some more special things because of what his diagnosis was, but then they took me to his church and celebrated me. And Long story short, I started getting a lot of cancer patients. And so my practice changed and I started doing a lot of naturopathic oncology. And then I had a patient walk in with Suzanne Summers' book many years ago. And, and this is probably like almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And she said, I want to do this. Suzanne Summers wrote this book about bioidentical hormones and I want some. And I was like, All right. I thought she was an actress, but okay. (laughs) I was like, give me the book. Let me read the book. And I read the book and I thought, wow, this is very naturopathic. Replacing with subphysiological doses, giving what the body makes as Dr. Jonathan Wright always says, copy nature. And so I thought I could definitely do this and add in the other things I know. And that's how I got into menopause and bioidentical hormones. And so it's always, I learned so much from my patients. As much as they learn from me, if not more.
1: Totally agree. Good story to wrap up the show. Before I close this out here, I ask every guest what their top longevity tip is. You've given us a lot of tips today, but what's your top longevity tip? I would say breathing,
0: sleeping, and having sex. I'll give you three.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'll take it. We'll take it. I haven't heard anyone say... Well, everyone says sleeping, but not breathing or having sex. So we'll, t- we'll, we'll, we'll take this. <laughs> well, tell us where listeners can find you again, where your clinic is, your website. And I hear you have a free gift for the listeners as well. I do. I have my five myths about menopause ebook
0: where they can learn as we, we talked about some of them so they can read a little bit more. And then basically I'm Dr. Sharon Stills on Facebook. I do have a red hot sexy menopause Facebook group although I think I'm going to be migrating to circles and off Facebook where the censorship is. I'm Dr. Sharon Stills on Instagram. I do do a lot of work for the Bioregulatory Medicine Institute. We're brmi.online. So if any of this European stuff I was talking about fascinated you, you can go to our website and we just have So much information there, articles about current topics and all of these things that I've been talking about. So I host their podcast, which is the science of self-healing. And um, so I'm really just passionate. We want bioregulatory medicine, just like functional medicine has become very popular. We want bioregulatory medicine to be right up there with it.
1: Awesome. Well, I look forward I want to read that the five myths of menopause also. So thank you so much today for coming on the show talking about the importance of dental or or I should say oral health the importance of lymphatics and reminding my listeners that women can transition gently through different stages in life with natural methods and really celebrate menopause that menopause is a time to celebrate. So thank you so much today for your brilliance. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. What a fun interview. I love how she encouraged us to really think about what lights us up. What did we dream of doing as a child? And are we doing that now? She sure inspired me to mark events in my life more than weddings and funerals. And I encourage you to do the same. As she said, menopause can be just the beginning for you. To connect further with Dr. Stills, visit drstills.com. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you learn learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting.